and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts. I'm Katie. I'm Joe. And we're married. Yeah. And we like making each other watch movies that we like. Yes. Joe. Yes, we do. What? Huh? What? Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, what movie did I share with you this week? What movie did you share with me? You shared the movie Catch Me If You Can. That was an interesting inflection. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about this Catch Me If You Can movie? Yes. Okay. Uh, Go so, for it. so Catch Me If You Can. Uh, <laughs> it's about a man who's being haunted by sheep. Hence the title Catch Me If You Can. Did we watch the same movie? Okay, so Leonardo DiCaprio plays Frank Abagnale. Junior. 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 <laughs> Marty Crouch Junior. <laughs> I think I actually said that during the movie. Did you? I think you did. Oh, I did. Yeah. Somebody did. You did. All right. I did. Um, so Leo DiCaprio plays Frank Abagnale Junior. Yep. And he uh, is a con man. See? Who who has he makes most of his money based on checking scams, mm-hmm. and the way that he sort of sets these scams up is by impersonating various um, professions, such as a doctor, a lawyer, and firstly an airline pilot. Mm-hmm. And um, he sort of taught. The art of the con, uh, I guess, sort of, sort of benignly by his dad. Like his dad mm-hmm. is more persuasive mm-hmm. than than con Ning. However, uh, he also doesn't pay his taxes. Apparently, no. <laughs> um, so, sort of the big, like, it's been so long since we've done this show that it really that has. my words. I know. For, that my like literary theory words are all are, are all gone. Um, basically, the, the the cataclysmic event in in Leo Dio's life mm-hmm. is seeing his father sort of lose his money and therefore his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that she's a gold digger, uh, <laughs> but she definitely did not go to another poor man when she left him. That's true. In fact, she went to his friend. Mm-hmm. Which is why all of my friends are poorer than me. <laughs> okay. So that my wife will never leave me. Okay. <laughs> um, I just received a text message that said that the Lord of the Rings books were boring. No. Oh. Which I disagree with. <laughs> um, I'm gonna turn my phone over like that. I'm not used to getting text messages. Uh, anyway, so Leonardo DiCaprio realizes that like his father doing things as by the book as he can is maybe not the best way to do things Mm -hmm. and in fact you can manipulate people to get what you want out of them kind of like what his mother did with his father Um, and so he goes and he sees a pilot being swarmed by ladies Mm -hmm. and getting asked for their autograph by kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was in like the 60s, right? Yeah. Late 50s, early 60s. Late 50s, early 60s when airplanes were still something that you dressed up for and Mm -hmm. people didn't run them into buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. Or or lose them. (laughs) Just lose them. And so... 
he becomes a pilot until that becomes boring. Then he becomes a doctor until he meets a girl. And then he becomes a lawyer to impress her dad. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Tom Hanks is an FBI agent who's trying to catch him. If, if he, he can. If, if he can. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, eventually he does catch him. Yep. Uh, but Frank Abagnale Jr., is so good at what he does that the FBI just hires him. Yeah. <laughs> the moral of the story being, if you're going to be a criminal, be the best damn criminal you can be because you might be able to make a job out of it. And the best part of it all is that that actually happened. Oh, it actually Frank happened. Frank Abagnale Jr. is a real dude who did all of these things and then was hired by the FBI because he was so good at outsmarting them and everyone else. If you can't beat them, hire them. <laughs> yeah. Basically. That's pretty much the moral. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I just, you can't beat him, hire him. It's, so, so, yeah, why, why did I watch this movie? Um, a couple of reasons. The first reason is that I have really no idea why, not that I don't have any idea why I showed this to you, but I have no idea why, but this movie has always been one of those movies that I just watch. Like, if I can't figure out something else I want to watch... I put on this movie, and this is a movie I watch when I'm home alone, when you're at work at night. This is a movie that I'll watch when I'm not feeling well. This is pretty much the movie that, like, covers all of my bases. Like, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, like, some action in it. Mm-hmm. But not a lot. There's not a chase lot. scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a huge fan of true crime, so this covers that base for mm-hmm. me. Um, a lot, everyone in this movie is great. Um, yeah. We've got Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom mm-hmm. Hanks, Christopher Walken, Amy Adams. Yeah, early brace-faced <clears throat> Amy Adams. Yeah, so I just so that's one reason is that this movie covers so many things that I care about in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason is that it looks really cool. I love this era in movies, in historical fiction movies. Okay. Because you uh, said it looks really cool, and I I immediately thought of cinematography no, no, no. and no, not, I'm talking not costume like and costumes sets. and sets, okay. and just the overall like feel of the movie in that context. Yeah, like wasn't a great time to be alive, but looking back on it, it looked so great. Like everything like that is to me utopian America right there. <laughs> yeah. So I really enjoy seeing that in the background of a movie like it wasn't you know like the main point of the movie like look at this historical drama yeah it didn't feel like a period piece no so i liked that it was because sometimes you didn't even really notice it i Uh, yeah i mean like um i don't know like because there are movies that are set out to be period pieces Mm -hmm. like you watch like glory or the patriot or something Mm -hmm. and like it feels and granted, I watched both of those movies in history classes, but they there's this type of movie that is like a legitimate big budget Hollywood mm-hmm. movie, but also feels like it was made to play in a high school history class. Yeah, definitely. Like there's like vocab words thrown out and it like feels really weird and you don't know if the movie was based off a of mm-hmm. curriculum or if the curriculum was based <laughs> off the movie. And if the curriculum was based off the movie, then there's public school, everybody public school. <laughs> um, but yes, this did not feel to me like a 
well, we want to make a movie from the 50s, yeah. you see? No, no, it was, let's tell this dude's story, and yeah. it just so happened to happen in the, in the, in the 50s, and so that's what everything's going to look like. Yeah, it just, like, I felt like, it feels weird to say because it is kind of like a, I don't actually know, is it called biop? biopic or biopic i say biopic because it's like a biographical picture yeah, 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 yeah. rather than a than a, a bi optic yeah it's not like okay. an eye that i swings call it biopic ways. too but i actually got a weird look when i said that once i was like okay maybe i didn't pronounce that right mm-hmm. i'm the one who gives weird looks when i hear the word <laughs> biopic okay so it's weird to say when you're talking about a biopic thank you you're welcome but uh it what it felt like an extremely authentic movie like Mm -hmm. it was this dude's life and that is mind-blowing to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) that this dude actually did this but it was also like an entertaining enjoyable movie that kind of taught you a lesson that you can (laughs) like not a great lesson you can get what you want out of people if you pose it the right way kind of yeah well so i mean let's talk about that like so when we were watching this i think this is right about the time i was reading the ego on his own by max sterner which Mm -hmm. is uh, a very very individualistic piece of writing Mm -hmm. uh so much so that it says everything is mine yes as, as long as i can take it and frank abagnale jr sort of has that ideology where he doesn't necessarily care about air quotes morals and right and wrong and laws and and stuff what he wants is people to like him he wants money because that's something his dad lost like he's trying to become the man that he saw his dad being Mm -hmm. um before he realized that his dad wasn't that right because the movie starts out with like his dad getting the water buffalo lodge Mm-hmm. Um, the thing. Rotary Club, the Rotary Club. Yeah, Rotary Club. Anyway, he he got a major award, mm-hmm. and like <laughs> it was fragile. Yeah, and <laughs> and like him, it? him and his mom or him and his wife are like dancing, and it's Christmas time, mm-hmm. and he knocks over a glass of red wine on his white carpet, but doesn't even care because everything is so good, and I'll just buy a new carpet. Like, mm-hmm. so so that's what Junior wants to be. Um, and so, as for the lesson of this story, and he does, he like wrote a book and, and does speaking tours and stuff mm-hmm. too. And without, re- I remember I listened to one of his speeches, one of his talks. Yeah, um, we actually in one of our in our speech class. Is that where we college, heard it? Yeah, we okay. heard it and like we watched a clip from the movie. I, I think the point was that he's a good public speaker more than what he had to say, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but the idea sort of is that, like, if you want something, go get it, mm-hmm. and um, everything else will kind of take care of itself. And I really dig that. Um, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to do things. Like, the fact that his story is is notable mm-hmm. is not necessarily because he broke the law and defrauded millions of dollars from different banks, which, awesome, go if you can defraud money out the bank, especially a federally insured bank, I endorse it. Well, it was a lot easier back then than it oh, is now. Oh, it was now. a lot easier back <laughs> because then. Because of him. He ruined it for everybody. Well, uh, also computers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but he actually invented, like, the check security stuff that we have now. Yeah, I know. Well, but computers also make it easier. Mm. I mean, because people still counterfeit paper money. Mm-hmm. It's just harder to counterfeit 
computers. Yeah. Uh, which it can be done. But sort of the moral of the story is if you want something, catch it if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think that the title of the movie has less to do with Tom Hanks chasing Leonardo DiCaprio around and, and more of, the, like, a it's like a carpe diem sort of yeah. thing. It's like a I'm what you want, come and get me kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so one of the things that I talk about all the time is that I connect with characters, and if I don't connect with characters, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I still love this movie and all of the characters, even though most of them are awful. And Are they awful? That Like, that's what I was getting at. Like, are they bad guys, or are they good people who are just kind of ruthless and getting what they want and therefore like they're still likable because they're not technically they're not hurting people Mm -hmm. they're hurting corporations and yada yada Mm -hmm. and they're maybe deceiving people but they're not like putting anyone in danger Mm -hmm. i mean well when he pretended to be a doctor (laughs) that might have been pushing it yeah but um like technically his crimes like i think is considered like white collar crime yeah so i like i still don't know the answer like is he a bad guy i don't think he's a bad guy at all at least i don't think the actions that he took were that bad i think if anything the worst thing he did was have amy adams character fall in love with him when he was pretending to be a person he's not but i mean people do that all the time people not me (laughs) but you know how many people put like a photoshopped picture of themselves on their dating profile yeah. or whatever say that they're three years younger than they are or no something totally like but this was like to such a large extent oh like, sure he lied he, about he his name her. he lied about his age he yeah. lied about everything what he did mm-hmm. he was a high school student when he met her and he yeah. was saying oh i'm a 28 year old uh yeah, you know no, i know flight attendant here or doctor i mean i definitely don't condone condone that Mm-hmm. part of of what he did at all although it could be argued that in the times they had on it was just them too she probably got to know the real him even though she didn't know his name was frank or whatever mm-hmm. i think that's the most deplorable thing that he did because that was him like lying on an individual to individual level mm-hmm. and that's the part that didn't work out for him right like yeah, that's he didn't end up marrying her Mm-mm. um as for Tom Hanks' character, I don't necessarily think that he was a bad guy. Like he he was he was a guy who had nothing else but his job, mm-hmm. you know, because he his wife and kid left him, right? Or did they die? I don't remember. They uh, weren't in they the picture. Left him. They left him. More so, I think when I was talking about everybody's bad guy, I was also talking about his dad and his mom. Okay, not necessarily Tom Hanks' character. So. This movie does suffer from the, of course, the mom is a bitch trope. Yeah. Where, like, there's not a lot of women. One of them's a victim and one of them's bad. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, thanks. And thanks, one of them's Hollywood. a prostitute. Jennifer Gardner's character in the hotel. Oh, I totally forgot about that when he was doing the whole, like, weird James Bond thing. Was she a prostitute? Mm-hmm. Oh, but then he cheated her out of her money. Oh, she, no, he she wrote was her an actress. Check. And then, but he paid her for sex, so. Well, that's prostitution. So, I guess not by profession, but in that instance, she was a prostitute. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you get paid to do anything, you're a professional, so. That's true. Um, yeah, so his his 
ugh, that's one of the things I really dislike about this movie, but also it makes sense considering the time. Yeah. But, like, the women, like, they're cardboard cutouts Mm -hmm. of female people. Like, the mom, the only thing we knew about her was that she was French. She fell in love with Frank Sr. when he was in the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, she smokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she clumsy. Likes, she likes rich dudes. And she likes she like she cheats on her husband. Like that's all we know about her. Mm-hmm. <sighs> to be fair, and this I don't know, but if we're making the movie based on this guy's life, that might just be all that he saw of her or all that he remembered of her. Yeah. Because being a boy in the fifties who idolizes your father, like. You just don't know your mom that well. Mm -hmm. And that is a larger issue in, like, terms of feminism. Um, But I don't think that the movie watered down the mom character. Granted, this is not a feminist movie, necessarily. Uh, But I I don't know. I don't know if every movie needs to be. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the story of this guy's life, and this is how he interacted with the women that he interacted with in the course of this particular story Mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily begrudge him like i'm not gonna go back in time and be like you need to interact with just as many women as men so when we make a movie about your life it can pass the bechdel test Mm -hmm. i mean like i would be pretty upset if they just wrote women into the movie just so they could have more women in the movie because that would be disingenuous too which you know i know you're not suggesting Mm -mm. um I guess the the point I'm trying to get to is I don't know what more they could have done. Because the the if they had built out Amy Adams' character more, it would have detracted from the story. Um, if that's all he knew of his mom, anything else would be lying. Um, and they could have cut out the whole Jennifer Gardner sequence because I didn't even remember it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that he went into very male professions in a very male-dominated time, mm-hmm. following the footsteps of his male guardian and was being chased by a male. Mm-hmm. Like that, Yeah, that's what I mean, that's what I was trying to say like it's a product of the time that it is portraying. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's a bigger issue and it has nothing to do with this movie itself, but Yeah. The way that women are portrayed in movies is not great, but even I'm trying to think of like if this was like a gender reversed story where this con artist was actually a woman mm-hmm. instead of frank abagnale like and he only she only act, interacted with males in such a small snippet of mm-hmm. time like like it's hard to imagine that the guys would just be cardboard cutouts like the women are in this movie yeah uh that's just a hard thing for me to imagine mm-hmm. like i would need to hear that real life story yeah uh, and the thing is, is that at that time, if there was a successful con woman, and I'm sure there was, mm-hmm. and I'm sure somebody could email me and be like, oh, this woman did the same thing, but twice as better. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I would, I like automatically imagine that there would be a lot more sex in that movie. Really? Because... Like, that's just one of your bargaining chips as a woman in the 50s, and you're trying to like manipulate people especially in such a sort of conservative time like it's super easy to get what you want out of a dude as a lady just by giving them some puss every once in a while that was gross yeah (laughs) so that's the thing is like if we were to do a gender reversed 
version of this movie, there would be a lot more sex just because of the time period. Yeah. Because, like, he wouldn't have, she wouldn't have to do nearly as much quick talking as she would seducing. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that, like, a woman couldn't do that much quick talking. I'm just saying that, like, a man can't, like, use his sexuality very easily as a bargaining chip, so he has to rely on only wits. Whereas you have more tools in your toolbox. I don't know. Like, I think a lot of times men, like, I think that's kind of what he was doing, though. Because he was saying, oh, I'm rich, I'm smart, I'm well-educated, I have a great job, and I'm attractive. Don't you want to, you know, be with me? Like, I feel like that's what he was doing. He just had to work harder at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like he did that to get the pilot's license or whatever you know what i'm saying i don't know that's i guess at this point we're just debating hypotheticals for a movie that doesn't exist and probably will never exist so meh eh, i don't know it would have been nice if we have more stories based on true things starring women from that time period that would be great or just in general of any time period (laughs) yeah well hidden figures and I don't know. There's more. <laughs> there, there's more coming out that are period type pieces. Mm-hmm. It's just that those stories haven't been quite as loud because patriarchy. Well, that's something I was thinking about with this movie. Like, I had never heard of Frank Abagnale Jr. until speech class, and then I investigated and watched this movie for the first time. Mm. Like, he is apparently such a influential figure for the fbi and for hacking and not hacking um fraud and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. but like i never heard of him is it just because he's not a mass murderer do you think like that stuff like that he did like was just as notorious in his field i would say as somebody who went out and killed 20 people yeah it's it's less sexy yeah i mean Okay, so I have a movie idea for you. Okay. This man spends 10 years traveling the country, tricking people into thinking he's someone he's not, and then he murders them. Ah! It's a pretty interesting story, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Here's another story. A man spends 10 years going around the country writing fake checks. (laughs) I know. It's not as, like, it's not as scandalous sounding, I guess. But it's just interesting how, like... uh, I guess it's not as escapist, too. Because watching a movie about a serial killer or whatever is a lot more fantastical. So it's even if they say, based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Which means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. So, I don't know. It's just I guess it's just less sexy that Mm -hmm. some dude just ran around writing a bunch of fake checks and 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 talking his way into jobs that people normally have to go to school for 12 years yeah i like it just makes me wonder like how many more like amazingly like not amazingly how many like crimes of this scale like have happened that we just have never heard about you know mm-hmm. like there are probably like some notorious like 
pet ring guy or something out there, like, who did some stole pets from celebrities and sold them on the black market or something. Like, there's probably just, like, random stuff like that that would be an interesting movie, and we just have never heard about them because they didn't kill anybody. (laughs) Well, and I think that the other thing, too, is that he stole a lot of money, like, a couple million dollars, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But he stole it all from a lot of different banks over the course of a long time. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he went into a bank and robbed it and came out with $20 million. He chipped away at a bunch of different places over a long period of time. So again, like the crime itself isn't that sexy. And just in the scale of like America over the course of X amount of years, stealing a couple million dollars is enough to get the FBI after you, but it's not necessarily the crime of the century or yeah. anything. And he didn't um, scam people. Yeah. Like, if it had been him stealing from the cash registers of every mom and pop store in America, that would have been something else. So. Yeah, there's another movie. It's called The Bandits. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. Um it has Kevin Costner and Billy Bob Thornton, hmm. and they rob banks, but they only rob federally insured banks, and they just steal the money out of the vaults. Hmm. So they, the way that Billy Bob Thornton explains it to one, one of the other characters is like, we don't steal a cent from anyone who ever deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing, you know... Um, I don't know. Like again, it is it is sort of an interesting story. There's a lot of biopics kind of like this that could be made of people who did pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, all I'm thinking of now is like military heroes or great explorers or something. And, yeah. and like, I don't know. There's not too many movies about like the first expedition to Antarctica or anything. Um, that aren't documentaries, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but again, that's that's still like grand and whatever. Those that's like a three hour scored by Hans Zimmer sort yeah. of thing, and not necessarily just like a ninety minute Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you're looking at your your phone. What you doing down there? I was What's going on. Well, calm down. I uh, remembered something I wanted to talk about, and then I forgot it, so I was trying to jog my memory. Uh. Um, so, this is a Spielberg film. It sure is. I feel like I said the wrong Spielberg film. Spiel- film? Spiel- Spielberg. Spielberg film. <laughs> Spielberg film, uh, which is kind of interesting i think because to me it didn't really feel like a spielberg film no oh man really it was all kinds of spielbergy when it had tom hanks in it that's true do you want a funny voice um i don't know steven spielberg does sort of he does a lot of movies kind of like this he's sort of been panned in in sort of recent times for doing kind of like over sentimental Mm. films which not to say that this is but i mean war horse <laughs> come on did anybody see that movie <laughs> didn't it get nominated for an oscar i have no idea i feel like it won awards oh that's... there's a lot of 12 year old girls who saw war horse i what? guarantee it little girls love horses 
Not me. Oh, not you, because you went to horse camping. I bucked off. <laughs> oh, that was awful. 100 degree heat. They won't let us come in for water. They said, nope, you paid to be here with horses. You're going to be on the horses. So we're on the horses, and the horses did not like me. Horses probably didn't like that, you, that they had person on them in 100 degree heat. Probably. Probably had nothing to do with you, although they can smell fear, apparently. Um, can we see. talk about how the film looked? Because yes. aside aside from the the costumes, please do because I felt like it was kind of nondescript. Really? Yeah. Okay. So here's how this movie: the interiors were lit. We're gonna shine as much light as we can from the outside of the windows into the side of the house, and then to let you know that we're doing that, we're gonna put smoke in the air so that you can like see the rays uh, of light coming in from the windows. Mm-hmm. It made everything seem really hot. Maybe it was. Like, I mean, it was because it was supposed the, to be. I mean, where did it take place? Wasn't it? Didn't it like start in like New York, or was it? Did it take place in the South? I think it started in New York, and then it went to Georgia, and then it went to Miami. Okay, because all because. When I see that kind of lighting where it's the windows are all super blown out and then everything inside is sort of like misty so that you can see the rays of light mm-hmm. coming in, um, that just screams to me super hot, super humid, like, I don't know, like some, something like that, whereas that necessarily wasn't the case. Um, and it was like only when you were inside of houses was it like that. Mm. And I don't know, I just really didn't like it. That's like the only thing about it that that really that really bugged me. Aside from that, like nothing about the cinematography really stood out to me. Yeah. Like everything just kind of looked like a film, except for that. In the moment, there were certain like types of cuts mm-hmm. and things like that where that just screamed Spielberg to me. He he does things very, I guess, by the book. He, he does things very, um, like, film schooly in that, like, you would go to film school and they would show you films from different Spielberg movies where it's mm-hmm. like, do this shot, then this shot, then this shot, then boom, boom, boom. Like, it feels very academic and not necessarily super arty mm-hmm. in, in the way that he shoots and, and has his films edited, which just contrasted with me with the weird interior cinematography yeah that's all i really wanted to say about it okay um so i kind of want to talk about each of his three main cons Mm -hmm. first he started as a pilot yes and well i guess his main con was the check fraud but yeah but he facilitated that through his three professions professions yeah so the first one was an airline pilot and i just have to say that that was probably the most like i i don't understand how he could have possibly come up with taking stickers off of toy pan am airplanes putting them in a bathtub and then affixing them to checks and somehow nobody thought that, oh, this looks like a sticker and not an imprint on a check or anything like that. Like, I guess that's not really my point, but I just think that it's, it was, to me, that was probably one of the funniest moments of the movie. Um, and I 
think it was very clever of him. Like, I'm not sure if that is exactly how he did it in real life. Um, but I just thought that was pretty clever. Um, I also liked how he posed as a, uh, high school newspaper paper journalist and got literally all the information he needed out of some guy at the Pan Am headquarters. <laughs> like, he even gave him his old ID badge. It's like, here, you can have this and you can, uh, just scan it or not scan it whatever they did back in the 50s or 60s and uh, put it in the newspaper and that's that and then that's how he got into being an actual pilot and probably one of the most amazing things about this entire story to me was his confidence because I have no confidence (laughs) and so it was interesting to see like when you have confidence you can do pretty much anything he uh he walked right on to an airplane and was asked if he was a deadhead and he was like sure and then he walks in and he starts talking to the pilots in the cockpit and then he's trying to figure out where he sits down but he's playing it all real cool like he's feeling around trying to find like a chair or something and then the uh, flight attendant comes in and puts it down for him and she doesn't think it's weird because she thinks he was just chatting with the pilots and it's just funny how natural all of that felt to him but at the same time we could tell how like you could see the gears turning in his head and i just thought that was really interesting yeah so they make a point of that early in the film where he says my dad only said that an honest man has nothing to fear oh yeah so he just always pretended he was being honest yeah he was trying to be as genuine as he could about lying his face off Mm -hmm. and that's sort of the thing about people is People are fairly passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look like you know what you're doing and you look like you're supposed to be where you are, then people generally don't ask a lot of questions. That's true. <clears throat> As a cameraman <laughs> who sometimes goes out in public and just films things with a big old camera, mm-hmm. I don't often get asked why I am where I am or what I'm doing or even to move. <laughs> um, and really it's just because I got a big camera and as long as I don't make a lot of eye contact with people and look busy, people just stay out of my way because I assume I'm important. The only times I've ever been asked to move were at sports games mm-hmm. um, when I was in somebody's way and the only time I ever have been questioned was when I was filming in a maternity ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because I was a man by myself with a big camera surrounded by a bunch of pregnant women who, a lot of them, their husbands and or boyfriends or baby daddies were not there for their checkups, mm-hmm. which was an interesting thing. I figured that that was a thing that you generally dragged your man to. <laughs> I mean... Or that he would want to be there yeah. for. <laughs> but yeah, there were a lot of, there were a lot of giant, sad looking women. Oh. <laughs> I hope you told them jokes and cheered them up. <laughs> nope, because they were giving me very dirty looks. Oh. Turns out a man with a camera is not welcome in a place for women's health. <laughs> and I wonder why. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then another instance of his confidence that was just wacky to me was at the very beginning when he walked into his new school and posed as the substitute teacher for like two weeks or something like yeah. that that was insane like that that moment like you didn't really know what was about to happen 
Like, he walks up to the front of the room and somebody says, huh, is that the new substitute teacher? Or something like that. Or he looks like a substitute teacher. Yeah, because he's wearing... He went to, like... A he, private school. He went from a private school to, like, a, a public school. And he was wearing his private school uniform. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes up to the front and he just says, all right, take out your books. Where'd you leave off? And then everybody just kind of looks at him like, what? But then he kept talking and it kind of sold itself. Yeah. And you got the feeling that at any second, the actual substitute teacher could walk in. Well, she did. No, yeah. And could have, like, ruined it for him. But then, like, the substitute teacher walked in and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm supposed to be subbing for yada yada. And he's just like, oh, no, I'm the sub. You're fine. Just just go. And she's like, what? And, like, it was so amazing to me that he could just, like, at the snap of his fingers be like yeah so this is completely normal i'm gonna be the substitute teacher now and there we go nobody questioned me there's no room to question me because i thought of everything in 2.5 seconds Mm -hmm. well because you just roll with the punches and because if you if you're pretending to be like in a position of authority Mm -hmm. even as people test you out and test your authority like you've already assumed that power over them so it's easy to just refute anything they say um we've been watching trailer park boys and <laughs> yeah. and ricky does this a lot with the cops where oh he's, yeah where he's just like oh no 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 like no i talked to jim <laughs> and they're like oh jim jim like my dad jim mm-hmm. the chief oh i didn't know jim had a son oh yeah no it's nice to meet you you know tell your dad i said hi like it's the same sort of thing as being like a psychic, you know, where it's like, yeah. I, I'm sensing the letter J. Mm-hmm. J, Joe. Joe's my husband. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, I see your husband. Your husband, I see him. I see him talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. My husband works in radio. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Something bad's going to happen to him. And you're like, well, shit. He, he She knew everything about him. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, even that's the thing with the substitute teacher where, where someone could have been like, no, the teacher said to us that we were going to skip chapter three. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, she called me last night and said that we are doing chapter three. And everyone's just like, oh, well. All right. <laughs> guess he would know. Yeah. And and that's all you have to do, which is, again, kind of going back to the takeaway for the movie. The takeaway from the movie is just like you are where you're supposed to be. Yeah. You know. I found myself wishing that I could somehow implement that on a very small scale into my own life. Sure. Like, like, but I don't know how I would do it. It's just like, as you know, mm-hmm. when I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, I have this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that I'm not doing what they want me to be doing mm-hmm. in any situation, whether it's at work or family functions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish that I could just be like, no, the substitute teacher called me and we're doing chapter three and just like Yeah. Have myself believe it. Well well going going back to that sort of super individualist type of philosophy where you're like everything is mine. Mm-hmm. I just haven't decided to take it yet. I mean, if you just have that if you just have that that opinion, you know, mm-hmm. if you just have that idea or mindset all of the time, no matter what you do. Uh, then life becomes a lot easier and people become a lot easier to deal with because if somebody doesn't like you then like well that's that's your fault you know yeah. or or you just figure out why and you use that um so like i mean 
there's there's always that joke where where someone's like oh man i really want to go into an elevator full of people and be like i wonder why mm-hmm. i'm sure you're all wondering why I, why i brought you here mm-hmm. because then every single one of them's playing off of each other right and they're like well i don't i don't know him but maybe maybe he does or maybe she does or maybe and and you just sort of need to have like i don't know i think i think the fact that that helped frank was that he didn't necessarily have that because he had that an honest man has nothing to hide or nothing to fear mentality he Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily think about the consequences of his actions yeah and even when he was being chased by the fbi and knew he was being chased by the fbi he didn't necessarily worry about it sort of like the character archer in archer where he just doesn't believe that he can die. Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes into every dangerous situation saying, like, well, I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. And when you remove that fear of failure, success seems a lot easier because you don't have anything to overcome. It's just a straight line from here to success. That's true. And, and like, every other thing that, like, could lead to failure, every obstacle isn't an obstacle. It's just like, oh, yeah, I knew that, I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Because there's success. And I, I started there, and this is in the middle yeah. So, like, of course, of course this would be here. Like, of course the FBI would come. Um, and, of course, I would notice that they're going to be here. So, burp to burp to burp. Like, I'm just going to have this blind guy wait in the car and pay him to agree with anything I yell out the window. And then, bing, bang, boom, there we go. That's the scene I was just thinking of, too, when Carl comes to the, I think it was an apartment complex or long-term motel, whatever, that he was staying in. And... Carl walks into the room and he sees all the check forging machines and the ink and he's like, oh, I got it. I got this guy. And then he hears Frank in the bathroom and then Frank just comes out like, what's up? And I got here. What took you so long? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Hannity, he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, I'm with the... The FBI or no. the CIA? C- yeah. Yes, I'm with the CIA, and he's like the CIA. No, this is our case, the FBI. And then he, and then that confirms to Frank that this is somebody that he needs to trick again, mm-hmm. like, and that he's the FBI, and he needs to get out of the situation. So he completely takes control, and he's just like, oh yeah, I already, I we already got the guy. Um, yeah, he's down in the car. Yeah, and then like you said, he got the blind guy. He yelled out at him. He yelled something back, and it like worked for what he needed. Mm-hmm. And it was just that was another really funny scene. Uh, he hands him his wallet as his credentials, mm-hmm. and then as soon as uh, he leaves the room, he realizes it's uh, Coca Cola ra- or labels that he peeled off of everything, mm-hmm. and gift cards and membership cards and nothing else yeah. and then he's out the door he's gone and he's on his own again um yeah so funny i felt like i found myself feeling bad for carl mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm just kind of like <laughs> good luck with that dude yeah i think that's the other thing that's really interesting about this story is how they eventually became friends yeah and i think it has to do with the nature of the quote-unquote crimes that frank was committing right because he was again he wasn't really hurting anyone except for the people who he personally forced relationships with mm-hmm. right and there's that wonderful scene on christmas eve the first christmas eve that that frank calls carl mm-hmm. and at one point carl just starts laughing he says what's so funny you don't have anyone else to call do you mm-hmm. um it reminds me of another movie uh called the ides of march starring uh george clooney clooney that was weird <laughs> 
and and Ryan Gosling. And Ryan Gosling is like an advisor for George Clooney, who's a politician. And uh, there's this re- lady reporter who's following them around, who I'm sure is played by a wonderful actress whose name's like, whose name I can't remember, but I can't. And she has like the same sort of like cat and mouse relationship with Ryan Gosling because she's the reporter and he's the advisor, so he's trying to spin the story and she's trying to find the truth and everything. And at the end of of the film. She says something like, well, aren't you going to go out with your friends? And he says, you're my only friend. Yeah. And the movie ends. And, like, it's that sort of thing where, I don't know, I really like those relationships. I do, too. Where where you're on opposing teams, but you just have to respect each other because you're both so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's That was probably, I think, weirdly, the only successful relationship in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because they started out at such odds and then they just came together and had this mutual respect for each other. And that was that was interesting. And uh, I, I think it's because they're both so alike. They're both so much smarter than everybody else. Yeah, that's true. That it's hard for them to forage connections with normal people because normal people just move too slow. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's too... Like you just find yourself manipulating them without even trying just because they're 10 steps behind you every every time. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, Carl is an interesting character who, it feels like his objective changed at some point when he started caring about Frank. Like, in the end, when Frank is basically dying in that French jail, Mm -hmm. um, he tries to give him as much accommodation as he can to, like, make him comfortable. He tries really hard to get him back to America for a long time. And then, oh, and then there's the scene where he has to tell him that his father died, mm-hmm. and that was heartbreaking. Um, so, ugh, yeah, that ended up being probably the only successful relationship in the movie, and it was really well done, I think. Um, yeah. you, got, you got trivia for me? I do have some trivia for you. I wanted to talk about um, how how. Uh, he was able to pass the bar exam by studying. Like, that was his genuine moment that proved how smart he really is. That's that's the most inspired, that's the most inspiring thing about this movie. Is like, you don't need to go to law school. You can just study and pass the bar. No, but like, it kind of proved that, yes, he was doing things without having the credentials for them. Mm-hmm. But he could get them if he wanted to. And that made it just a little bit okay. Kind of. Yeah. He was still lying to everybody about everything, mm-hmm. but like the fact that he actually was smart enough to do the things he was doing, like that sort of vindicated him, I guess. Yeah. All right, so we've got some interesting trivia. The first being, according to the real Frank Abagnale Jr., approximately eighty percent of the movie is true. Cool. I wonder what parts aren't true. I know. Probably the Jennifer Gardner sex scene. Probably. <laughs> But uh, I think that's probably an extremely high percentage for movies like this. For a biopic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the film shows Frank Abagnale Jr. on the FBI's most, most wanted list. In real life, however, he never made the list because it's reserved for violent criminals. Mm. Um, let's see. The FBI officer who was chasing Frank and was the main inspiration for Carl Hanratty was Joe Shea. Frank Abagnale Jr. used the synonym Sean pseudonym sean o'reilly in his book because joe shea was still in the fbi he has since passed away oh um 
Until he saw the results of Leo Dio's work, the real Frank Abagnale Jr. didn't think DiCaprio was suave enough to play him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a confident man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Some FBI agents did occasionally chase Abagnale, but he didn't have a relationship with any of them, and he certainly didn't call them every Christmas. As Abagnale himself points out with flawless logic, why would I do that? I didn't want the FBI to know where I was. (laughs) Um, let's see. Um, the story of Frank Abagnale Jr.'s exploits had one of the longest and most difficult journeys from its first pitch to its eventual production. In 1981, it was originally announced that his story would be filmed and that Frank would be played by Dustin Hoffman. Ooh, that went to work. So that was 20 years in the making, this movie. (laughs) Um. That's more than boyhood. Did you know that took 12 years to make? I did. It took 12 (laughs) years to make. Uh, Leo Dio was an ironic choice for the lead. Frank Abagnale was known to have resembled an adult at a young age, while in Hollywood, Leo is known for his very young appearance despite his age. Mm -hmm. Um, In his biography, Abagnale says that if he wanted to, quote, lay down a baby con, end quote, he would lie about his childhood. All the stuff about Abagnale's dad being a hustler is made up as the real Frank Sr. was not only a straight shooter, oh, I should have read this first, Hmm. but also one of Frank Jr.'s first victims since the kid started his criminal life with petty scams involving his dad's credit card. He once raked up thousands on a spending spree before his dad got the bill. Wow. Um, So, So basically, everything that we really liked about the character... From the movie it's is the twenty percent that's not yeah, true. Yeah, it's the twenty percent that's not true. That's interesting. Um, oh man, <clears throat> huh? According to the real Frank Abagnale Jr., after he ran out of the courtroom during his parents' divorce proceedings, he never saw or spoke to his father again. However, Spielberg thought it would make a better story for to have him communicate with his father, so they left it in. Hmm. Um, let's see. There's a lot of things <clears throat> about uh, Spielberg's original casting choices. Um, the newly filmed clip from To Tell the Truth that opens the movie mm-hmm. was based on an actual episode in which Frank was a guest. In that episode, not a single panelist correctly guessed that he was the real Frank Abagnale Jr. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to find that. <laughs> I do, too. I was thinking how that was such a great way to start the movie. Yeah, I wanted more of it. I did, too. I wanted that to, like, punctuate the film. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, we should definitely see if we can find that. Um... Um, let's see. There's, oh, the concluding part of Steven Spielberg's unofficial Running Man trilogy, which started with AI, artificial intelligence, and continued with Minority Report. I guess I can see that. It's all about dudes running. I mean, kind of. I haven't seen AI, so. I don't think I have either. I guess we should watch it. Yeah. I don't really like Minority Report. I like the idea. I don't like the execution like i liked the story yeah. like the short story it was based on. i didn't read that oh i liked it, it was we were good. supposed to read it mm-hmm. i didn't read it mm-hmm. we we're supposed to read that in uh the class that we met in huh yeah, yeah? huh you were yeah. too busy looking at me there was a certain point in that class where i just didn't have respect for the teacher anymore so i just didn't do any of the work 
She was probably she was a wonderful person. She was not a great English teacher. She, I feel like I tried really hard at the beginning of the semester and just like ended up just like not. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you feel like you're smarter than your teacher <laughs> to want to do any of the work, especially because wasn't she super unorganized? Where yeah. like she at one point she just didn't have us turn anything in anymore mm-hmm. until like the last day of class, mm-hmm. which was weird. So I had to like run, go through all my folders and try to find everything. Um, let's see. Abigail's capture in the movie is represented as a tense standoff in a warehouse where Hank manage- Hanks manages to con the con man. It was somewhat less dramatic in real life when someone saw Abigail on a wanted poster and recognized him while he was shopping for groceries. Oh. <laughs> um. Oh, here's a director trademark. The father. Frank Avignale Sr. fails to set Frank Jr. straight throughout the film. Um, workaholic Carl Hanready loses, loses his daughter Grace to a divorce. Um, yeah, that's... Oh, last, last piece of trivia here. Early in the film, Frank's father wakes him up for school, and we see several comic books lying on his nightstand, the most prominent one being The Flash. Later, when he is confronted by Carl, he uses the fake name Barry Allen, which is one of the well-known alter egos as of Flash, of the Flash. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually really enjoyed this trivia section because it told us a lot of things told that we liked, liked about real. the movie was the, was the untrue stuff. All right, so, Joe. Katie. We're going to do some modified survey questions for yes, you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, if you were to pull off a Frank Abagnale Jr. type of, I guess, profession scam, mm-hmm. what what profession would you pretend to be an expert in? Uh, police. Oh, yeah? Uh, yep. Do I want to know why? Probably not. Because <laughs> I love shooting black people. Oh, um, my God. He well, is kid. Everyone, he is kidding. I'm kidding. That's what police <laughs> like to do. No, probably <laughs> just because I would want to somehow discredit an entire... Uh, like police branch like that would be cool that'd be cool to do or or lawyer so that I could like just eternally sue the police okay which I might still do in my life is become an actual <laughs> lawyer and just sue the police every day that would be wonderful <laughs> okay um, let's see another question for you is who in this movie do you think would be the most likely to help you out of a jam uh, probably Carl. Carl. I feel like Carl would help me. Yeah. Hand ratty. I thought that was cute how uh, when he, when uh, Frank set them up at the, at the, uh, oh, hello. Hello, what are you doing? <laughs> Your We're mic back. was on, on the wrong setting the whole time, so. Oh, all right, well, here I am. Uh, when uh, Frank set them up at the Miami airport with the, with the, uh, what? Can I? <laughs> when, when he set him up at the airport. With the fake driver. <laughs> what is going on? There we go. He's talking to the mic. That's what I was doing. With the fake limo driver holding there up a are. sign that said Hand Ratty. Yeah. His name was Hand Ratty. <laughs> I uh, thought that uh, was cute. That was funny. Um, okay, one final quick question for you. Ask. If you uh, had to wear one of the outfits in this film, what would you wear? I don't know. A suit, I guess. Would you wear his James Bond suit? Uh, wow, well, I can't really remember specifically anything. 
I guess I'd probably wear a pilot thing so I could be, ride in a plane for free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or like the FBI suit with the hat and the horn rim glasses. That, that was pretty cool. Alrighty. So, where can people find us? <sighs> iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that pulls from those sites. Uh, anything that pulls from iTunes. Any third party uh, thing. Uh, noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything mm-hmm. um, is that it sharing everything show at gmail.com mm-hmm. alrighty uh, so what movie are you planning to show me next week next week we're gonna watch American Graffiti Ooh. and until then keep talking keep loving and keep sharing 